Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody. Thank you all so much for joining me again for another episode of Grace to All with Paul Gray. I want to start out by asking you a question. What is the one requirement to enter into the kingdom of God? That would be important to know, wouldn't it? I'm not asking you how to get saved. I'm not asking you how do you get to heaven. What's the one requirement to enter into the kingdom of God? We're going to find out today. Not from me, but from Jesus. Been talking these days about how experience always trumps intellect, always trumps intellectual knowledge. And I want to read one verse of scripture for you today. It's Colossians chapter 1, verse 6. I'll read it both from the Passion Translation and from the Mirror. Passion says this. Paul's writing to the church in Colossae, and he says, This is the wonderful message that's being spread everywhere, powerfully changing hearts throughout the earth, just like it has changed you. Every believer of this good news bears the fruit of eternal life as they experience the reality of God's grace. Experience the reality of God's grace. It's totally different than having an intellectual concept of what grace might be. The mirror says it this way. This word resonates within you. And its appeal is prevailing in the whole world. The harvest is evident everywhere, and gaining ground is also witnessed in your own experience from the moment you heard and understood the true implication of the relevance of grace. The relevance of grace or the reality of grace. Hearing and understanding and also experiencing maybe even more so, experiencing. This is the wonderful message, the message of pure grace that the Apostle Paul says. And he goes on to expand on that elsewhere in his writings. Pure grace is knowing that God has done everything already for us in advance for our relationship with him. Even before the foundation of the world, we were included in Christ. We were given grace. We were saved, if you want to use that word. We were put in Christ. We were made right with God without fault. All of those things are examples of God's grace that's continually working in us and as us and through us and empowering us to be all God has created us to be. That's being spread everywhere, and it's changing hearts everywhere. And changing hearts is much different than changing minds. Changing heart is an experience of something that actually happens to us. There's also a phrase in that passage that says, every believer bears the fruit 
of eternal life. Well, we need to know, of course, what eternal life is. It's not what most of us have been taught. In the Greek word, eternal life simply means the zoe life, the unbelievably good, rich, pulsating life of the ages that happens right now and goes on forever and actually has always been forever. It's not just going to heaven. And Jesus tells us what eternal life is, John 17, 3. He says, this is eternal life. If you ever wondered what eternal life is, Jesus tells us, this is eternal life, he says, the life of the ages, that you know Jesus and the Father, who is the only true God. He doesn't say eternal life is that you know God. He says eternal life is that you know the Father, who is the only true God, and Jesus. So the fruit of eternal life is knowing Jesus and his Papa as a Father, which nobody did until Jesus came. First Timothy 4.10, Paul wrote to Timothy, he says, we put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people and especially of those who believe. It's another phrase in the verse I read to you in Colossians 1. Believers of pure grace experience the reality of God's grace. You personally know and experience Christ in you and living as you. Everyone has Christ in them. Everyone has this reality. God is the Savior of all people. We all have that reality. But until we experience it, we won't believe it. What does it mean to experience the reality of God's grace? Well, we experience God as a loving Father who includes and accepts and loves and adores us. The whole concept of how we see God, that's the whole ballgame. If we think of God as anything else other than a loving father, we're not going to experience the real God. Our Papa, our Father God, Papa doesn't look at us critically and sternly from afar. No, he lovingly embraces us and accepts us and adores us and delights in us like a father does with a little child. He's lovingly looking at you right now and always like any father who's in his right mind looks at their little child. Now, some fathers can not be in their right mind and not be good fathers, but our Papa God is the best perfect father. All right, Matthew 18, 1 to 5. The disciples came to Jesus, and they said, Jesus, who's considered to be the greatest in heaven's kingdom realm? Well, Jesus called a little child to his side, and he said to them, learn this well. Now, this is the whole ballgame of what I want you to see today, and it's extremely important every second of every day of our life, and I'm not exaggerating. Here it is. Here's the whole deal. Jesus says, unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with the wide-eyed wonder of a child, you will never be able to get in. You'll never be able to experience it. 
Jesus didn't even answer their question. He says, who's going to be the greatest? He didn't even answer that. He said, don't worry about that. First, you have to learn how to get in to heaven's kingdom realm or the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Not one day, sometime, but right here and now, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom, heaven's kingdom realm exists right now in the unseen but eternal world. And Jesus says, you got to know how to get into that before you worry about anything else. And actually, there's nothing to worry about. So remember when I started by asking you, what's the one requirement to enter the kingdom of God? Get this, folks. This is the ball game. To enter the spiritual realm right now, we've got to dramatically change our way of thinking and learn to see God, our Father, as a papa, not a judge or anything else. How we see God, we got to see him as a little child sees their father in order to see the real true God and relate to him at all. Jesus goes on to say, whoever continually humbles himself to be like this gentle child is the greatest one in heaven's kingdom realm. And if you tenderly care for this little one on my behalf, you are tenderly caring for me. He wants us to tenderly care for people who see God as a little child sees God and not try to mess them up by seeing God any other way. To experience the only true God, Jesus Papa, we have to experience him and see him as a little child sees their father. And we're going to go into more of that now. To help us see that, I want to go to where the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. And we call that the Lord's Prayer. So, Let's say together the Lord's Prayer, shall we? Well, which version would we say? You know, when you visit a church for the first time and they say, all right, we're going to stand up and recite the Lord's Prayer. If you've had any church experience at all, the first question that comes to your mind, at least to mine is, well, which version is it going to be? Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our trespasses. Is it going to be modern English? Is it going to be King James English or whatever? And that's a battle that people have fought and had all kinds of uh, meetings and conventions and stuff to decide which one is right. And, uh, <laughs> oh, well, I, I don't want to get into that. It would be important, wouldn't it, to know what Jesus actually did say when he gave them that prayer of how to pray? Most modern New Testament translations come from the Greek, one of three languages that the Bible was written in. Some come, unfortunately, from a Latin translation of the Greek, which is less than good. <laughs> and then there's also the Aramaic translation, which is the actual language that Jesus spoke. The Lord's Prayer appears in Matthew 6, 9 to 13 and Luke 11, 2 to 4. Matthew the tax collector, was Jewish. And Aramaic was the language he spoke. It was the language Jesus spoke. All the Jews at that time spoke, or at least the Jews in Israel, spoke Aramaic. They also knew Hebrew, and they would use Hebrew in formal settings, like in a synagogue at different times or legal things, sometimes like that. But what they spoke all the time was Aramaic. Now, Luke was not Jewish. He was a Gentile from the Syrian city of Antioch, who most likely spoke Greek. All right, here's Jesus' prayer translated into English straight from the Aramaic, which is the language that Jesus spoke. Beloved Father, he starts it out that way. We usually think of our Father who art in heaven. He says, Beloved Father. 
He doesn't start out by praying to God. Actually, the Jews in Jesus' day wouldn't even say the word God out loud. They were afraid they would offend him. They thought of God in that day, that all of them except Jesus, thought of God as a, a nameless, faceless, angry, detached, wrathful omni-being who continually looks at us with ever-growing disapproval from a distance. Jesus wants to know, no, no, not like that at all. It's not God in heaven. It's our beloved Father. And here's how it actually reads in Aramaic. Beloved Father, Father of all who fills everything, not our Father in heaven. Jesus actually said, beloved Father, Father of all who fills everything. May you be honored in me, and may your light be experienced in my utmost holiest. Jesus is talking about experiencing God as our beloved Father in us, experiencing God as our Papa, our Father. Then he says, let your will come true in all the universe in all that vibrates, just as on earth, that is the material and dense. And God's will will come true everywhere. What is God's will? Well, it's that all will be saved, be made complete and whole spiritually, physically, emotionally, every way, and not perish. Paul wrote this to Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. God, our Savior, desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Peter wrote this in 2 Peter 3, 9. God is patient and long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, which is changing our mind and understanding what God really is. Then in the Aramaic Lord's Prayer, Jesus goes on to say, give us all that we need for each day, wisdom, understanding, and assistance. One day at a time, wisdom. That's different than knowledge about. Wisdom is knowing what to do in any given situation, circumstance, or experience. Now, these next parts are really important. Instead of forgive us our debts or forgive us our trespasses or forgive us our sins, what Jesus actually said was, untangle the knots of unforgiveness that bind us within as we also let go of the guilt of others. Wow. I'm going to read that again. Untangle. He's asking Papa, or Papa God. He says, untangle the knots of unforgiveness that bind us within as we also let go of the guilt of others. See, when we don't forgive people, it knots up inside of us, and then it will come out sideways at just the wrong times, unfortunately. That's the way it works. He says, untangle those knots of unforgiveness. Help us see where they come from, what really happened, and to be able to let them go, to release them, to give them up, and to let the person who's harmed us in any way, to release them of anything that we think they might owe us as a result of harming us. Now, that doesn't mean that we necessarily reconcile with them. We might, we might not. They might even be dead now. It doesn't mean that we make them their best friend and invite them over for dinner and birthday parties and stuff like that. It means to 
let go of anything that we feel like they owe us as a result of having hurt us. Untangle the knots of forgiveness that bind us as we also let go of the guilt of others. Forgive in Hebrew is NASA, N-A-S-A, like NASA in Houston. Just picture a rocket ship going up. That's what we do. We release, we let go of the guilt that we feel like somebody else has because they owe us something because they hurt us. We let go of that. Lift it up and let it go, whatever it is. That's what the father does with little kids. Fathers don't hold unforgiveness and guilt over little kids' head. At least fathers that are in their right mind don't do that at all. They don't harbor bitterness. They don't think they have to pay because they deserve something. They don't feel like, well, you, you've got to be punished so much now because you did that. Or No, not with little kids. You know, with little kids, you may have to take them away from something that's hurting them or, or something like that. But papas that are in their right mind don't treat little children at all like we've been led to believe God the Father is going to treat us unless we get things right. Not at all. Untangle the knots of forgiveness that bind us within as we also let go of the guilt of others. Then Jesus says, let us not be lost in superficial things, but let us be free from that which keeps us from our true purpose. What would those superficial things that be that keep us from our true purpose? I don't know. You got to ask Papa yourself and he'll show you. And then he says, from you, Papa, comes the all working will, the lively strength to act, the song that beautifies all and renews itself from age to age. Talks about God's all working will. Paul writes about that to the Philippians at 2.13. The Amplified Version says, it's not our strength, but it's God who is effectively at work in us, both to will and to work. He's strengthening, energizing, and creating in us the longing and the ability to fulfill our purpose for his good pleasure. He works to will in us, and he lives as us. And then Jesus finishes that with saying, what we say, amen, he says, sealed in trust, faith, and truth, I confirm with my entire being. Now, I want to say the whole thing here for us together. It, it's really beautiful. Jesus says, beloved Father, from whom the breath of life comes and who fills all realms of sound, light, and vibration, may you be honored in me. May your light be experienced in my utmost holiness. Let your will come true in all the universe, all that vibrates, just as on earth, that is, the material and the dense. Give us all that we need for each day, wisdom, understanding, and assistance. Untangle the knots of unforgiveness that bind us within as we also let go of the guilt of others. Let us not be lost in superficial things, but let us be free from that which keeps us from our true purpose. From you, Papa, comes the all-working will, the lively strength to act, the song that beautifies all and renews itself from age to age. Sealed in trust, faith, and truth, I confirm with my entire being. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that rich? All right. Here's what I really hope you'll take away from today, and I want to remember this every second of every day myself. To experience God, to enter in the spiritual realm, which is here right now, it's the unseen realm, we have to first and foremost 
see and experience God as our Father, and not just as our Father, but as a little child sees their Papa. How does a little child see their papa. Now, this is a papa who's in his right mind, who's not dealing with a bunch of junk and parenting like their parents did or whatever, but a perfect papa, as our papa is. A little child, I have two little grandsons, three and six years old. When their dad, my son, when he comes home from work, they run to the door and they go, daddy, 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 and they jump up in his arms and they grab him and he holds them and he snuggles with them and he gives them noogies and he's with them. And then they want to show him stuff that they've been doing. And he's a very good dad. And he goes and gets down to their level and looks and sees what they're doing and asks them questions and has them tell them about stuff and things like that. And he delights in them. He loves them. He shows them how happy he is with them, all things like that. That's how a little child sees their papa as close and loving and someone who protects them and saves them and is always there for them and provides for them and takes care of them. Somebody they can depend upon and trust. Not somebody who's angry and watching them and keeping a list and going to punish them if they don't get it right. Not at all. That's the ball game in all of our life. How we see God. Seeing God as a little child sees their papa. We're going to talk more about this as we go on, and I want to experience God myself more and more every day as my papa, and I'm confident that you will too as you get to know it. Thanks, everybody, for being with me for another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.